Welcome to MTG Ectoplasm, your home for Spirit Tribal and Magic the Gathering. On this episode, I have a very special guest with me, and we're going to be breaking down Dungeons and Dragons, the new set that's being released now. And of course, this guy is a D&D player, and he's a Magic player, so you know what? This is going to be a real fun episode. I hope you're ready. Let's get this thing started, shall we? Let's go. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for joining me on this episode. I am your host, Dwight, a.k.a. DeBlanco, a medium that weighs an extra, extra large. You can reach out to me on Twitter at mdgectoplasm, or you can email me directly at mdgectoplasm at gmail.com. Tell me how am I doing? Am I doing a good job, bad job, or I shouldn't quit my day job? And then finally, mdgectoplasm.com. That's right. I got my own personal website for the latest and greatest episodes there for your spirit content needs and if you want to donate to the show ladies and gentlemen because i'm always looking to update my equipment you can do that there or if you want to sponsor this episode or a sponsor uh, episode like this in the future go there for me all right and do me a favor i want to thank you all my listeners around the world the thousand plus of you making this your number one spot for spirit tribal and magic the gathering content do me a favor wherever you're listening to the service right here this show there's a like a follow subscribe button hit that bad boy for me all right i know you're out there i know you're like scared it's like i i don't know uh, i'm not sure you know what you know you want to i want you to oh my guest coming on soon y'all definitely want you to do it as well so with that being said ladies and gentlemen now that the homework is said and done with, it's now the beginning of the show where I would love to introduce an individual who I actually play Paper Magic with. We have a great time discussing many things around the world, you know, just, just broad things in our play group. All right. He is what I call a master of a deck. And I'm going to bring him on later on in the future about this deck tribe and its minotaurs. Yeah, that's right, ladies and gentlemen. There is a deck out there, Minotaur deck, and this guy pilots it and he kicks ass with it. All right? I'm just telling you. So this is the Minotaur Master. He's been playing uh, Magic the Gathering for years, has been playing Dungeons & Dragons for years. Uh, he goes by the name Evil Shaggy, but we're going to talk to him as Ray. Welcome to the show, Ray. Hey. Glad to be on. Hey, there he is. Uh, I got a little nervous. Like, oh, 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 what happened? Oh, there he is. So yeah. how you doing, Ray? How's everything feeling? Everything's all right. I haven't seen you in the group recently. It's a little shame. We actually have a play group we call the the uh, uh, the high t- uh, the high table of MTG, and we haven't seen you there in a quick minute. What's going on, Ray? Uh, I've been able to get in paper games, which so I've been doing that. Uh, been getting ready for the next set to come out. I'm going to be making a cube out of this wonderful set. So well, I'm not I will be showing up soon enough. 
I'm not surprised. You you love D&D. Uh, I definitely need to join your crew. I have an idea for a monk or a ranger that I would love to play. Uh, but, you know, that that's that's a different episode. I know oh, many yeah. of our guests here are like, okay, Dwight, Ray, let's cut the BS. Let's, let's get down to the knitting gritty, shall we? So this Dungeons & Dragons, I honestly, I didn't expect much from it. Um, the power level is what I expected. Um, tell me your thoughts. I mean, for power level, it's about on par with your average core set. Nothing, nothing super spectacular. There's a handful of standout cards that will definitely go places. And I see a few that are going to be, let, let's make this work for the fun. Um, but power level wise, we're, about on par flavor is 95% spot on for the game they 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 definitely hit this one out of the park for getting the flavor of D&D and translating it to the card game well i thought i thought they would because you know uh, there's a lot of magic the gathering there's it seems like these two magic the gathering and dungeons and dragons you know they could make a pretty baby you know what I mean? It's not. It's it's going to be an ugly baby, but it's still going to be a baby. You know what I mean? And you know what? I, I'm I'm pretty impressed with what they did here. Uh, there are a couple things that I was like, mm, I wish they would increase the power here, or they would have uh, add flying here. And I'm talking about beholders. I'm a little disappointed they did not add flying to beholders. Um, oh, beholders don't fly. I know they, they levitate. Float. They they float, but you know the, you know. As a person who used to play Magic, I mean, uh, sorry, used to play TNT, uh, you know, you know, I I found some of the stuff to be fun and entertaining. I'm like, oh, you know what, Magic Missile, I remember that that the the bag of holding, I remember using one of those. You know, I I remember my youth of going, wow, I I remembered having fun playing D and D. Now. Tell me what exactly about the flavor that stands out in this set. Honestly, for some of them, like, uh, for instance, with the Book of Vile Darkness, Hand and Eye of Vecna, getting those right in comparison to the flavor from the game. Because in-game, if you have the Hand or the Eye of Vecna to properly benefit, you gotta pace you're paying a toll. Uh, the artwork is great at illustrating the toll you pay. And the fact that they were able to give it an appropriate effect of, all right, here's your draw back, but your payoff is definitely worth it. And getting the combo where you can get Vecna out, great on flavor. Um, the five mythic rare dragons, I've actually encountered three of them i'm currently encountering one of them in my current DD campaign which one out of curiosity i'm about to fight ebon death ebon death i yeah that's the black one two and a black flash flying and bring itself back from the yard i've in game dealt with Imerith, which is the blue one and old gnawbone the green one now, I'm looking at Ebon Death right now. It's toughnesses too, so you should, you and your crew should be able to kick its ass without a problem. See that? That's one of the things where, that's why it's only 95%. Because, gotta read that last clause on Ebon Death. 
can cast him from the graveyard. He is an unzet. He is undead. Well, then the the secret is you you uh, you find a ley line of the void and you just push him in. <laughs> if only I could do that in in day. <laughs> well, there's a bag of holding. There should be a ley line of void in there. Just go boom. There you go. Goodbye, Mister uh, Dragon. And uh, it was nice playing with you. Um, in regards to Inferno, the star mounts have not encountered it. Icing death, I know from novels. Okay. And I like the fact that when he dies, he does leave the sword named Icing Death. If any of your, any of the wonderful listeners happen to know R.A. Salvatore and Drista Warden, who also has a card, they'll recognize Icing Death. It is one of his two iconic scimitars. Okay. The fact that Icing Death's death just it gives you that sword, and it has a mechanical in-game mechanic that is appropriate for the sword. Awesome. Now you were telling me when you know when I first reached out to you about this because, like I said, you you know D and D to the back of your hands. Like you said, there were like thirty-one to thirty-two novels uh, made by this one. I forget who did it, and some of the main characters that we saw there was uh, Lolith and some type of weird dark elf with a wolf. With a panther. Uh, Driss Dorden, he is... What is it? It is, I think, two, a green and a white. Or three, a green and a white. Legendary elf ranger. When he enters, you get the 4-1 Guinevar token. Okay. They, uh, they've got it as a green cat. It is a black panther. But yes... That is the main character for a good 32, 33 book run. Uh, Brunor Battlehammer is one of the other legendary creatures in the set. He's the, the dwarf, legendary right? dwarf. Yeah. He's the one for the equipment. He's one of the closest allies of Dwarden. Okay. Now, so, are, do they have any more people that, like, that are in these books in, in, in this book? set out of curiosity because now like uh, now you got me curious like it would be fun to build like i guess like an edh deck or build a you know a deck around these cards and just make a little story behind it uh that is one that i was looking at um unfortunately it did print two more of the characters but they are in the edh decks oh. so the cards are there just not in the in set the, itself not in the main set okay. and we're still missing one of the characters Ooh, which one is this uh regis he is a halfling thief halfling thief so he's a bit like for the the let's say the for, the, the for mtg he would be a rogue okay so like like let's say me i'm a i'm an idiot okay which i know my wife if she's listening she'd be like yeah you're definitely an idiot but that like a halfling is like a, a hobbit uh hobbit is one of the easiest comparisons it's actually the only way they were able to have hobbits without having the Tolkien Society come after them. Okay. Just making sure, you know, I'm making sure I got this right. I'm like, okay, you know. Like, because there's, the, there's a Typhling, yep. and I've never heard of a Typhling before. Wh what the hell is a Typhling? In D&D, Tieflings or Typhlings, depending on your potato-potato argument. Okay. They are, they are children of a demonic touched bloodline someone in their family got a little too friendly with a demon mm -hmm. in the indie world demon so 
and as a result, they have a altered appearance. They have horns on their head, uh, varying shades of different uh, purples, reds, blues for the skin color, and innate abilities that represent whichever demon happened to be part of their bloodline. Could just a stupid question? Do you think Tybalt is a Tyfling or Tiefling? Uh, Tybalt, I would say he would fall more into the devil category. Okay. Or D and D set aspect. Okay, I'm just out of curiosity because the way you're speaking about, it, I'm like, you know, you know, that that sounds a lot like Tybalt right there. One thing I will say is one of the things between D and D and magic: take your devils and your demons and flip them. Really? Because in D&D, your devils are your very much about order, contracts, making things go in a certain way, and the demons are more chaos, burn it to the ground. Whereas mm. in magic, devils want to burn it to the ground, and the demons want contracts. So this is the newest argument I've been hearing uh, in, in uh, the magic community. It's like uh, chaotic evil and chaotic, uh, no, chaotic evil and evil, lawful evil. Lawful evil. Like, yep. lawful evil, okay, they're they're jerks, but they're controlled jerks. Chaotic evil, these are non-controlled jerks. Yep. Easiest way to look at it, a lawful evil, a lawyer. <laughs> they will follow the rules to the letter, but bend you over sideways. Wow. Chaotic evil, chaotic evil is going to be your anarchists, the people that just want to run amok and... See the world fall. Wow. I have, they I have, get joy out of it. Dude, I have not laughed that hard real quick before on this show. But wow. Now, if you're a lawyer listening to this, uh, that came from Evil Shaggy, not I, but I did find it humorous. <laughs> not all lawyers. Not there all are lawyers. many great lawyers, yeah. but there are also unscrupulous. Unscrupulous. I can't say that unscrupulous. word. Yeah, okay. lawyers. Yeah, one of those. We all know they exist. Oh, man. So here's my question. With everything that you've seen, okay, the the, the, the flavor, uh, the characters they put in there, um, how do you think it's – is Magic the Gathering ready for this? Do you think the player base is ready for this? You know, or, or, or do you think we're going to be like – uh, you know the the sn- you know are we gonna be these snobby people going mm, the magic you know magic's magic, Dungeons and Dragons you stay over there and we will segregate. I will say they brought in iconic names, several major characters, and for the magic players, uh, it's gonna be oh hey, uh, Asarak the Archlich, he's a really good card. Because you can do this combo with him. The D&D players, he's a hated villain. And he's very much not fun to deal with. But for the Magic players, we're going to look at it and go, oh, cool, it's a new legendary, it's got a cool effect, or, oh, this is just a really cool card, oh, that's a cool name. There won't be that immediate correlation. Now, if they decide to cross the fence and, well... We've got all these cool things that they put in the D&D set. I want to check out D&D. They'll start making that connection. And vice versa. You'll have the D&D guys going, Oh, hey, they made cards of some of my favorite characters or great villains that I've fought against. And they'll want to try it. So it's going to be a 
it's going to be a nice way for them to just kind of lead the two groups into one giant amalgamation. Okay. Now, now this is my ignorance. Has has there been any Magic uh, the Gathering influence in D&D in the last several years? Uh, last several years, we have actually gotten the Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica. Uh, there's a Theros-based campaign guide. We've actually made campaign guides based off certain planes from D&D. Ravnica and Theros being among them. Uh, let me... I know some fans like myself who love Innistrad and were like, hmm, maybe they did an Innistrad? See, Innistrad goes a little bit too close to the Ravenloft setting, which is your vampires and werewolf setting in D&D. There is one out there. It exists. You can check it out. It's quite fun. But with that one, because... Ravenloft is such an iconic module. They're not going to go, here's the Innistrad campaign book. Because it, it bleeds too much. Okay. Whereas Ravnica, they don't have that. They didn't have that sort of thing. So like, yeah, let's bring it in. Let's okay. have that fun. Okay, that makes sense. I mean, and, he, here's my question. Is there, you know, I'm a spirit player. You know I love spirits. Is there any spirits? Like, is there any, like, legend? You, I hate to say magic legendary spirits in D&D out of curiosity? Uh, there are a handful of spirits and ghosts. Um, one of the... The problem is most of the spirits in D&D tend to be on the evil side. So they wouldn't really be in that white-blue alignment. Okay. Um, there is one... Uh, I forget which... It's one of the Silverhand Sisters... I can't remember which one specifically. Seven sisters, all blessed by the goddess of magic. She happens to be a spirit. Okay. And she's a protective spirit. But aside from her, there aren't too many iconic ones that stand out that aren't the bad guys. Okay. Which would, unfortunately, with the way magic runs, if we get one where they just... I will say this. We have windows to come back to... Dungeons and Dragons. Well, the the reason why I bring that up is because the fact that this this set uh, replaced a core set, and my thinking is, you know, Watsy has to impress Papa Hasbro because now they've oh, become yeah. the new uh, uh, they're, division. They're the golden child at the moment. Yeah, they're the new division. You know, and they have to impress Papa Hasbro. So I'm thinking, you know what, if we made one venture into D&D as a core set, and I'm just saying potentially this is the core set, you know, what's stopping them again from replacing another core set with a D&D, a, another run to D&D, making it like Dragonlance? Or uh, I only said Dragonlance because I read one book in Dragonlance. But, you know, you know other uh, side D&Ds. You know what I mean? Um. With that one, as awesome as it would be to see Greyhawk or Dragonlance or one of the other D&D properties show up, with the way 5th edition D&D has been going, most of the campaign settings are using the Forgotten Realms as their home base because it has the most lore. It's got something like 
one author with 32 books, but there's something like 32 authors that have written and developed the lore for this world. And all the way from late 80s up till probably 10 years ago, these authors were putting out books, developing lore, developing areas, characters, places to go. So they took the safe gamble and went there for the first time. Right. If it succeeds, because they left, aside from the one character I mentioned, they left one of the biggest names in D&D, or lore junkies. They left him out. And he would be a very interesting one to see. Is That's it, Elminster. Elminster. Is that the guy that, uh, that, that, that uh, I hate to say, the, the guy that's married to Sofia Vergara and his crew? And he ended up uh, chopping off his hand, putting the hand of Vecna on him. Now he's like this ultimate uh, hum- human meat dragon, bipedal no. dragon guy. No. I-, I know exactly what you're talking about. No, that is not his character. Elminster is a wizard. He was created, and the main character in the storyline, the guy who created the Forgotten Realms, Ed Greenwood. Amazing author. A lot of books on Elminster. That was his character. His character didn't show up. That omission on its own, plus there's a handful of other fan-favorite characters who didn't show up as cards. They left the window for, hey, we can make more. Okay, that's cool. We have legendary characters that we can easily create as a planeswalker or just have be the bomb mythics. We have the window open. No, so leaving the door there so they can go to it if they need to. Now you're you're a Minotaur master. Is there any Minotaurs that you you know they're you're hoping that may make an appearance? Unfortunately, there really aren't any in D and D. It took us getting the Theros guide and the Ravnica guide to have Minotaurs as an actual playable character race. Nobody's really written a Minotaur story. So, unfortunately for my tribe, I don't get anything outside of maybe some spells. Well, shame on you. You should, you know, you got a lot of time on your hands. You know, you're sitting on your hands doing nothing while you work. You know, you should make a Minotaur story. Eh, maybe one day. <laughs> All right. My backup tribe got a very nice addition, so I can't complain. Which were the demons? Devils. Devils, that's right. You, you stole that Zariel. one. From, you stole that Zariel, one from the, me. The, the Red Planeswalker. Wonderful well, addition to my Devil's deck. Uh, yeah, and I'm not, I'm, I'm not excited to play against it. You can tell. Uh, let me ask you, uh, what stood out? Like, uh, like which card stood out to you uh, flavor-wise and has the most potential use in modern? I will say the most use in modern, I do have to give it hands down. It's the one everyone keeps talking about. It is Portable Hole. That has the most use in modern. Really? Yeah. Yes. Because I'll tell you right now, it's a big talking spirits. Let me just tell you, uh, the spirit master, Andre Segura, he was like one of the first people out there going, portable hole, we need to add it into spirits. And I looked at it, I was like, mm, it's not that bad. It's it's almost like a skyclave apparition, but with an artifact for one mana. You know, I would use it. Now, what I'll say is, exiles target non-land permanent, CMC two or less. I'll all right, the average CMC for a modern deck is two to three mana. 
you can take out pretty much any target. I mean, if, say, you're running against humans, or a merfolk deck if it shows up, I'll, I'll just portable hole your Aether Vial. Or <laughs> one of your key pieces. It <laughs> hits a lot. That hurts. One of the other ones... One of the other ones that I've seen getting a lot of talk is the uh, Tasha's Hideous Laughter. Yes, the milling one. Yes. That one That one I've seen getting talk as, oh, it's a mill card. Well, no, it's it's more than a mill card. It's a three-mana remove anywhere from 10 to 20 cards from your... 10 to, I think the average I've seen estimated is somewhere between 10 and 15 cards. Right. 10 to 15 cards off your opponent's deck. Mm-hmm. That's not bad. No, not for th- for three mana. It's not the sneeze. Even at. if you're even if you're not running a straight mill deck, if you're in blue and it's one of those, yeah, there's better options, but it's not gonna hurt to rip away half of an opponent. No, it's not a huge chunk of your opponent's deck. It ain't gonna hurt. Not one bit. Anything um, else? Uh, cards that truly stand out. I mean, Wish is definitely going to see play. Uh, Storm is going to be in love with Wish. It may actually make a comeback now for a little bit. The one card um, that I saw that I'm really, like, I, I, I honestly, I went and bought a playset of it because the fact that I bought, like, two playsets of it back in the day. And it's the Gaia's Cradle with Legs, Circle of Dreams Druid. Oh, yeah. Like, I, like okay. I had to go out and buy a playset of this card because it's it's so powerful. Yeah, she... No, I understand it's like... Circle a, of Dreams Druid is gonna see play in green decks. I mean... Whether it be green stompy or even elves. Now, what, what sucks about it, it's like one toughness, you know... You know, and this is me not speaking as a spirit player, but I'm looking at this card and I'm like, man, this is really good. But it does bring me back to the days of Ixalan where you had that uh, flip card uh, and it did nothing. It just sat there. Okay. Well, the funny part on the, the flip card, when you got it to flip, you literally had a strictly better guy's cradle. The problem was getting it to flip. Because once it was flipped... It always tapped for one green, but and it would also tap for however many creatures you had. Whereas Guy's Cradle, if you have no creatures, it does nothing. But you had to have four creatures on board, I think, at the beginning of your upkeep, flip it. So it was easy for your opponent to stop that. But you put that one, the Circle of Dreams Druid, in an elf deck? That... That's just going to get ridiculous, because you've got the Lords to protect it, with the one toughness issue. And, as you know, Elves really need more ramp. Yeah, like, they, 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 yeah, they always need tons of ramp, those damn things. Yeah, so, just give them what is effectively another, a less powerful Elvish Archdruid. Now... I'll be honest with you. There's one card that I saw that slightly pissed me off because of the fact that I think it's a blue ability and it should not be in white. And it's on White Dragon. White Dragon's a 4-4 a for four, four, four generic and two white. It has flying. And it has this ability called Cold Breath. 
Now I'm going to yes. read it to you. When White Dragon enters the battlefield, target creature an opponent controls that that creature doesn't untap during its next untap step. My thing is that's a blue ability that belongs with spirits. That should be a spirit you ability. Are, you are a hundred percent right. In the world of magic, that is a blue ability. But D and D, White Dragon is frost. They are ice. They love the cold. So it was that choice of making the D&D set. We stick with magic's rules or allow the color breaks and have it reflect how D&D is. Well, it chose to reflect D&D because it's the set. Well, let, let's So let, there's I, a handful of cards with color breaks like that. Yeah, I, I hope it goes back to blue because I would love to see a spirit come into play and have that and every other spirit, you know, do like a Nebel Gast Herald, but, you know, that's a different oh. story. Out, outside of this set, that would 100% be a blue card. It strictly did it for the flavor of D&D. I hear you. Now, is there any sleeper cards that you think that nobody's talking about that we, the Magic community, should be going, hey, this is a pretty damn good card? I haven't heard anyone talking about... I mean, in regards to modern, I haven't heard too much on it. I've heard a little bit uh, Power Word Kill. In modern, that basically just says Destroy Target Non-Angel, because there really aren't that many demon, devil, or dragons floating around at the moment. Because the dragons... There's one dragon floating, but... That's the Blitz deck. Okay. Um, aside from that, uh, their Unexpected Windfall. That one, I I think a lot of people are underrating it because it says 2 red red. And they're not getting to the part where it says create 2 treasure. Because that is... Is the, it's the red loot spell that just got... And I can't think of the name of it now. Uh, what was it? I I, I don't I when no, I know what you're talking about. It has a uh, flashback. Yeah. Now uh, that sucks. Uh, you know we're right not there. Cathartic reunion. Where to go? Where to go? Um. Currently. Through my well, don't worry search. about it. Well, you know, if it comes, it comes. You know, it's it's right there. But even compared to Cathartic Reunion, I mean, it, you can cast that in Cathartic Reunion in the same turn. Because it does. Yes, it's four up front, but you're getting two of it back. So I hear you. Now, the one card that I've actually heard. You know, I haven't heard anybody say anything, but now I'm hearing combos with it. Is the book of Exalted Deeds? I don't know if you heard heard about this yet. Book of Exalted Deeds. Give me one second. Putting the card in front of me. Uh, it's underneath the Frost Titan, the the dragon. Uh, yeah. Uh, what happens is that you know that in uh, the Kaltheim set, they made that one land that becomes a creature. Oh yeah, the the Platinum Angel land that you can't deal with. So basically, in you activate standard. 
Yes. Yeah. So you activate all day in standard. You you basically you activate that that land to become a creature, and then you put a feather token from the book of exalted deeds. And guess what? It, as long as that thing has exalt, you know, that feather on it, and it's a land. Guess what? You're never gonna lose the game. Oh yeah, that one in standard and front or whatever the other format on arena is historic. Right. Standard and historic, I see that doing amazing things. Modern, ghost quarter. Yeah. We have we have a pon we have Ponza decks that float up every now and again. We have the uh, other land that replaces itself for you and the opponent when it takes one out. We have land destruction modern. Right. No, I just I just thought it was crazy. I was like, oh my god, did somebody just really do that and mean it? That's like that's so mean. And then the in, new, go ahead. In modern, it won't do anything. In standard and historic, it will wreck people because they don't have a way to deal with the land. I hear you. It will be hysterical. Now, what's kind of funny is that uh, I was watching a. Uh, a friend of mine, uh, Nikachu from uh, Nikachu MTG, he's a uh, Merfolk master. He was actually talking about this one card, uncommon, that has made its way to a modern deck. And it's in, uh, Ingenious Smith. I don't know if you've seen this. It's a white and a generic 1-1 one, one, uh, human artificer. Yes, the it's the baby Stoneforge. Yes. Baby Stoneforge, because you don't get to search the whole deck. You only get the top four, but... You know, people people are like, holy crap, this card is really stupid good. Okay, between that one and uh, Oswald Fiddlebender, one in a white for a 2-2, birthing pot for artifacts. Wow, that's really damn good, too. I mean, it's one of those... Yeah, you... For the Stoneforge deck, that it basically says, just start working your way through the equipment until you get the one you want. Yeah. If you have the ability to untap it repeatedly, you have something that'll let it untap, you can run through as much as you can. Now, the the one things that I did like is, uh, like, I'm not going to it's like flavor-wise, but the way they put it, like, as in cards, it's like, you heard something on the watch. And then the other one is, you see a guard approach. And it's like, oh, I hate those. I'm like, okay, let me roll, see, this is what I'm going to do, and let me roll to see if it works, and I always get critical miss, always. I, I mean, with, with some of those ones, the flavor on naming the cards like that, like, uh, choose your weapon, or you find some prisoners. Just I, the flavor to the names... You come to a river. I mean, I really just want to go... I really want someone to build with stuff like that and the you didn't say please from uh, Eldraine. <laughs> it's not just, oh, it's the it's just hysterical because it's, choose your weapon. You didn't say please. Ugh. See, now you're talking the it's onset. Some, ooh, ooh. No. You didn't say please was in Eldraine. Was it? It really? was a counterspell. Yeah. It was hysterical playing that during uh, pre-release for the sealed events. Just oh. getting to tell your opponent, you didn't say please. Oh, see, see, I would have been one of these guys flipping tables. <laughs> but 
one of the other things that I like that they did or in that vein, uh, where is it? There's one of them on here where it's basically just cancel. It's, I think uh, you find something about your opponent's plans. Okay. Or you find the villain's lair. Yes. One blue blue. First option is foil their scheme, counter target spell. It's cancel. It's not really that great. I don't think it sees play much of anywhere. No. But the fact that it has the second option, or their secrets, secrets, draw two, discard two. The fact that they took some of them and went, oh, we'll just make them modal. You take cancel, which isn't that good, but, well, now you can run cancel with a draw option. So you can, if you want more counter spells or you want more draw spells... Now you have something that covers both. I know. That's I like that. The now, fact that they chose to make them where it's, here's flavorful with options. Now, let me, let, me, let me get to my next question real quick. Uh, with D&D's rich history, are there any creatures, spells, or artifacts you wish Watsi would have introduced? I wish they would have thrown out. Or, no, they, added, they, they would have added. Character-wise, there's a plethora. Um, like I said, you have the, the Silverhand sisters, seven of them, uh, Illustrial, Silverhand, Dove Falcon Hand. Uh, this one, they gave us the Black Staff of... Uh, where is it? Hang on. I'll back up so I can read the right name here. The Black Staff of Waterdeep. They gave us that. Legendary Artifact. But they didn't give us Kelvin Blackstaff, the guy who wields the staff. They didn't give us Elementor. Um, just a handful of different spells that would have been interesting to see. Some of them that already are on cards, so made sense for them not to reprint. But there's, like, uh, let's see. I'm going to counterspell. Iconic spell in D&D. Can't have that standard legal. We just got it modern legal. Right. Would have been perfect in this set, though. Flavor. I hear you. Now, was there anything you consider a fail uh, card-wise or flavor-wise? One of the biggest fails they had. And Beholders not having have flying. To, have to let me explain it. Magic Missile. Why? What was wrong with Magic Missile? I thought it was okay. That would, it's a good spell. But that would be the one spell where they should have said roll 3d4. The lowest you could have gotten was 3, but you could have gotten more. Had okay. they given the d4 reference on it, it would have been perfect. See, I can see personally uh, D&D players getting a collection of the the set and then they go to their uh you know dungeon master and As they're goes, at the table go hey oh, i cast magic i cast missile. magic missile and they throw magic missile on the table and go and, and i can see the dungeon master going okay yeah i guess you cast it okay you can definitely see people doing that it'll be hysterical um there's a handful of other things that could have worked a little bit better but it's more just nitpicky based off my experiences in D&D. Uh, the Tarrasque, they could have made a little bit tougher. 
or just more versatile. Because even if they had just given it something that naturally reduced its casting cost to go with it, it would have been perfect. All right. Now, uh, let's go ahead. The reasoning, the if you cast it, it has the haste and effectively hexproof. Just doesn't say hexproof. But if you cheat it into the board, a removal spell gets it. Right. I mean, come on, it's the Tarrasque. It's literally the god killer in D&D. I hear you. Uh, let me ask you real quick. Uh, how do you think, you know, the fans, Magic fans, are going to think of this? Uh, is it going to be like a memorable, memorable set where people go, you know, that was a fun set. You know, it, it was different. It was fun. Or are they just going to go, mm, yeah, well, that's, that's, it's like Innistrad. Or, I'm sorry, it's like, uh, I don't know, like some passing set that we didn't give a damn about. Like a lot of the core sets. Yeah. I think a lot of it, in regards to memorable, is going to come down to their dice rolls. Because the D20 rolling cards, the fact that if you get the nat 20, you have an awesome effect, but if you get lower, you still have decent effects. I think if they play with them enough and they get the good rolls to the nat 20s, they're not just seeing the worst possible roll. It's going to be memorable. Okay. Because... Before this, we had one card that said roll a d20, and it was in an unset. And it was the Sword of Dungeons and Dragons. Right. So. Well, I was going to get, you know, once we uh, finish this section, I want to definitely talk about the dice, if you don't mind, if you have time. Um, oh, yeah. Let me ask you, uh, how do you feel, like me personally, uh, I think there was, you know, they introduced dungeons in this, and I... I I don't know. I, I'm not a fan of them. I don't think they really produce anything of value to the set or the gameplay. Um, do you think Wante could have done something better with this? I think what hampers them the most right now is that trying to balance. All right, how do you how do we trigger venture? How do we trigger that you going through the dungeon? fact that they were like oh if we keep it on this and this keep it to minimal effects so as not to make the set 100% circulate around it or even if they'd made it where it was something like oh you can go in reverse and change something or change the decision you made they given a little bit more flexibility it would have been a little a lot more complicated, which is why they didn't. But it would have made it more interesting. All right. I mean, it's one where the three dungeons they gave us, they're all iconic indie dungeons. Tomb of Annihilation has existed in one form or another since, I want to say, second edition. And it is iconic. Dungeon of the Mad Mage is a new one that is one of the handful of Prepackaged modules that you can literally run full gambit of a game without leaving that module. Plus mine of Fandelver, it's the starter set. When you go into your local game store or a local bookstore or anywhere that sells D&D stuff, and you see the D&D starter set, plus mine of Fandelver is the module that's in it. 
So having that be one of the easiest ones to go through with a good variety of what it offers, it's great. They picked good, they picked good modules to make their dungeons. As for the effects of each dungeon, they give it so it's varied and it fits the theme of the module that they based off of. Nice. I mean, I wish they would have made a few more, but that's me. Okay. I like my complicated stuff that my opponents can't interact with. So let me ask you, because you're a fan of D&D and Magic, what, is, what do you think is the one card that all of us should be standing and applauding Watsi for? Honestly, deck of many things. The fact that they figured out how to make the most chaotic and random artifact from D&D into a card that actually has good effects is awesome. And they made it where it has the ability for it to backfire. Absolutely tragically backfire. Okay. Because in-game, the deck of many things, I mean, the majority of the cards are eh, iffy, somewhat good, somewhat mm -hmm. bad. But then there's the cards that can send you to another plane of existence, can rip your soul out of your body, can just kill you, can leave you with nothing. Okay. Found a way to give it that perfect level of random. Okay, well, I'm I'm happy that this, you know that there's a card out there that uh, you know if you're a fan of magic and you're a fan of D and D that uh, you know this is you know the it card that you know you may not play in modern or uh, any other deck, but you know it's something to hold on to and treasure. Exactly. Now, be, oh. you know, go ahead, Ray. One thing I wish they had done was make an interaction between portable hole. And bag of holding. Okay, tell me why. Reason being, in D and D, they both are extra planar spaces. You combine two extra planar spaces, a catastrophic rift to the astral realm, and everything within like 500 feet gets sucked into it. So it's like a black hole. Basically. See, so I, I, would I really wish there was some sort of interaction between those two in Magic, because that would have been hysterical. See, because I'm thinking, like, I would think, you know, back of holding in a, uh, a portable video, portable hole would make sense. Like, you add as many portable holes as you need in there. I only ever get one. Uh, there's actually a thing, it's called the Armageddon Arrow, and it has made its way through every D&D &D group in one way or another. And it is a custom-designed arrow that, if your DM is feeling insane, will let you make. And it is an arrow with a hollow shaft, and in the nose of the arrow, you put a open bag of holding going into the point. Okay. That way, that way when fired and the shaft collapses, the shaft will go into the bag of holding. And at the very back of the shaft... You put a portable hole. Okay. Then you're able to... This is one of the most... It came about because someone wanted to, to defeat the Tarrasque. So they shot the arrow at the Tarrasque. When it hit the Tarrasque, 
the arrow collapsed, sending the portable hole into the bag of holding. Closing a black hole and then trapping the Tarrasque in there. Yep. Wow. And that one has made its way through D&D player myth and lore for ages, and it is one of those just... You never put the two together. It never ends well. Wow. That, that I, sounds I crazy. Wish there, I wish they had made some sort of, like, if you portable hold the bag of holding, this happens. Because it would have been hysterical. See, the, the fun stuff, ladies and gentlemen, you see, not only should you play Magic the Gathering, especially just spirits, not, not minotaurs, uh, you should definitely play Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, yeah. And there's... <laughs> There is plenty of overlap, and just ignore the spirits. Just ignore the spirits. <laughs> well, before we get to the next segment, let me shout out Magnolia Gaming. They're found in Hoboken at 79 Hudson Street, Suite 103, Double L, Hoboken, New Jersey. You can find them on Facebook at Magnolia Gaming Hoboken, or you can go to their website, magnoliagaming.com. Tell them that uh, Ray or Dwight, a.k.a. Uh, MTG Ectoplasm sent you, and with a $60 purchase, you can get, uh, with any $60 purchase that's sealed, uh, you get a Modern Horizons 2 booster pack. Not bad. That's free money right there, ladies and gentlemen. So it's a moral imperative. Now, segment two, we really didn't plan, but Ray brought up something because he heard on a previous episode the minor controversy with D&D, and I'm talking about the D20 and the spin down. So, Ray, you know what? Here's your moment. Tell, tell me about the shenanigans that white people are bitching and complaining about. Should we be alarmed or should we not? So, if that one. Now, the pre-release kits provide you with an actual D20 this time around, not the spin down counter. Reason being, on a normal D20, as long as it's properly balanced, which there's many ways to check that. Easiest one is the saltwater buoyancy test. Uh, on a proper D20, you have a true 1 in 20 chance of getting a number. Now on a spin down, because all the numbers go in sequence, don't have that actual ratio. It's offset. Because on a true D20, if you look at the 20, the opposing side will be a 1. And any number you look at, you add the two opposing numbers, will always equal 21. Not the case on a spin down. I did not know that. Yep. Hmm. On a normal D20, you can... Always add two opposing faces to 21. Hmm. On the spin downs, you don't have that. Spin downs are designed for life tracking. They're great for it. Everything's in order. A miss, they don't roll like a D20 would. Because whereas a D20, you'll have the 20, an 8, a 2. I think it's like a 6 and a 5 right next to the 20. Spin downs. It goes 20, 19, 18, 17, right. 16, 15. That makes sense. So, if you're playing with the D20 cards, or any cards that say roll a dice, roll a D20. Bring an actual D20 with you. Well, I just suggested... LGS, 
I, I suggest, you know, raising your hand and, you know, have a judge bring up one from behind the counter. You know what I mean? So at least, exactly. you know, people can't say, oh, it's, it's you know, uh, loaded. Well, what I will say in regards to the loaded dice concern is loaded dice on their own are we're not going to find them outside of a D6 because people don't really make loaded dice for Dungeons and Dragons. You're telling me there's make- not an Ocean's Eleven for Magic the Gathering? I don't know about for Magic the Gathering. No, we don't have, uh, like, a group of, uh, you know, special thieves that manipulate their way into LGSs and then, you know, change up the dice so they can get great, great dice rolls, you know, so they can cheat on D20 rolls? Uh, honestly, it's not worth it. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to weigh a D20 after the third roll of it consistently hitting the same number... Anybody is going to go, uh, try a different die. There's something wrong. One thing I will say, most manufactured dice, if they do have a weight imbalance, it tends to be out of your favor. It tends to be low roll. Okay. I mean, personally, I have a about eight or nine plastic or whatever version of plastic dice, and I've got four metal dice sets. That I use in D&D. How about a dice tower? Would you use a dice tower? I would. I don't own one myself, but that's just because I have a really nice dice tray and it didn't come with a dice tower. I mean, to me, it's like, it, this is just me being, you know, I mean, if you're that paranoid, bring a dice tower with you. But to me, I find that cumbersome to bring, like, a play map, boxes, paper, pin, a spin down to keep track of life totals and not use it for D20 rolls because it's not a D20? I will say this. In regards to this pre-release, and if you're going to be running a deck that uses the roll a D20 mechanic, I'd say if you're already bringing the die, you can get just a, like, I think it's like, Five dollars for a four pack of just foldable dice tray. Literally, lay flat and pick up no more space than a single page of a trade binder. Right. You can carry it with you, and it snaps together, and you can just set it there for rolling in your d20. Or just like have a cup and shake it, and just pour it in there. Boom, done. Yeah. Coming down to the space you have and all that. Uh, personally, I don't want to be rolling dice in the middle of my battlefield, so I'll probably bring one of my dice trays just because. Right. Habit. I, I mean, I'm, I'm just... It'd not be tr- gimmicky. I'm just not trying to poo-poo the thing. It's just people made it out to be such a huge thing. I'm like, come on, guys. Come on, relax. Come yeah. on. It's it's not a people big thing. Are- I mean, if I see someone and they're not, you know, I, it sounds comical to say it this way, but if they pick a dice up and they're not vigorously shaking their hand back and forth, okay... And then drop the dice. Okay, I'm gonna call shenanigans if they're just picking up with like slightly shaky, shaky, shake, and then you know, look like they n- toss the dice in a manipulative manner. Okay, then I'm gonna call you know, hey judge, this guy's doing this individual's doing something they shouldn't be doing. You know what I mean? But if they're sitting there grabbing a dice, vaguely shaking it up and down, you know what I mean, and then release the dice, I'm not gonna complain. What I will say in regards to that, because 
with the regular D20, light shake and drop, bounce. No how well you want it to work, if you don't drop it from right at the pad, it's going to bounce. So you can't really fix the number unless you're dropping from basically hand-touching whatever surface you're rolling on. 20s bounce. So you're saying make it bounce or not make it bounce? Make it bounce. Make it bounce. So you heard it here, ladies and gentlemen. So it's got just enough height to bounce. Nobody's can't really affect what you're getting once it bounces because that bounce is unpredictable. There you go. So you heard it here. If if you're playing this weekend and next weekend and you're playing with your friends at this D&D set and you're not making their dice bounce, just say, hey, make it bounce. Exactly. (laughs) If you you really see it and you have a concern, just ask them to drop it from a little higher. Yeah. Because then it'll bounce. Drop it like it's hot. Make it bounce. I'm sorry. I just went somewhere else with it. I, I know. I'm, I'm fighting the urge to go there, too. Oh, man. Well, you know what, Ray? It's near the end of the show. Let me let me give you a good while to sit here. What do you have to proselytize to us today? All right. My, my shout-out is for my local LGS. And I've been there, and it's a nice spot. Oh, it is awesome. Uh, Walt and his team... Do their best to make sure it is an amazing store. Uh, they have gone out of their way to help their customers. The group of guys that play there are awesome. And what name is it? What's the name of the spot? So everybody East, knows. East Coast Gamers. East Coast Tom's Gamers, River, New Jersey. East Coast Gamers. I love that place. Yes, they are awesome, and they are more than just magic. They are D and D. And pretty much every other tabletop game you can get is video games. Really? Yes. Now, do you, like, I know you do, you do your group. Do you do, you, do you do your group there? No, I, I actually host my D&D group here at home just because okay. I have the space. Okay. Um, you need but, to add one more person, that's me, but I'm just saying. But anyways, tell, tell us more about East Coast Gamers. Uh, a, I mean, uh, what is there to say? Great, great group, great environment. Great the staff. The atmosphere is awesome. They're, oh, they're staff op- is amazing. They're really, they're open. They're, you know, if you got questions, they're going to answer your questions. They're not going to shy away from you. They, you know, obviously, they love new customers because who doesn't love new customers? But you know what? If you have questions about certain gameplay, game style, you know what? They'll take their time with you. If you see a card, like a magic card, you know, and you go, hmm, what's this combo with? Guess what? They, they, they generally know what's hot and what's not in, you know, the latest uh, metas. Okay. So, I mean, okay. this isn't your, like, you know, I'm going to say, yes, it's your mom and pop, but it's a little bit more. They offer you what the French called the little bit of je ne sais quoi. A little bit of I don't know what. And it's worth it. Uh, hands down, I love that shop. Uh, Ray, you've been going there for quite some time. Uh, uh, anything else they do that, you know, my listening audience has to go, you know, if they're out of state and go, you know what, I need to travel to East Coast Games. Well, gamers, what else should I, what, what else? Let's see. Uh, they just, they're in the process, courtesy of everything, starting everything back up. Uh, they've got their, fri- their F&Ms for Modern. 
Uh, they're starting up their pauper league. They've had their Warhammer 40k tournaments going. Oh, you have got the Star Wars. They've got slowly rolling the card games back in. But they've got other events and other stuff that they've been hosting and running. Now, so, are they doing Pioneer? Because Pioneer is like something I, you know, I have a hard time seeing around here in the, the this immediate area. Pioneer is. I think right now it is one of those. It's on the shelf. They're trying to get everything back. They started with Modern because that was their Fridays. It was always big. Uh, in August, they're bringing back Pauper. So nice. I think once they, as long as they continue to see everything moving smoothly and in the right direction for the world, they'll keep bringing back their events and their tournaments. Now, do you have an address for East Coast, Gamer, East, East Coast Gamers in Tom's River? Well, Ray's looking for that. Let me just tell you, ladies and gentlemen, I let me just say I want to thank Ray for coming onto the show. He's a uh, true gem, a delight as an individual. I'm happy he's part of my play group. He's extremely knowledgeable in Dungeons and Dragons and is a true through and through Minotaur master. Uh, if you ever want to get a hold of him, he's available on to the Discord group, uh, Discord as Evil Shaggy. That's E V L Shaggy. Uh, don't be afraid to ask him about, especially Dungeons and Dragons questions. He's really good at it. And uh, Ray, you get an address for me yet? All right. Our address is 43 Main Street in Toms River, New Jersey, 08753. There you go. You heard it there, ladies and gentlemen. So do me a favor. If you're in that Toms River area, and just, just go in there and say, hey, you know uh, Evil Shaggy, Ray? He told me to stop by, and you heard him on. MTG Ectoplasm. Now, Ray, is there anything else you want to share with the listening audience? The thousands and thousands listening around the world? Not much. Just next time I'm on, get ready to hear about free hugs. Okay, now you scared me. All right, okay. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's the end of our show. I want to sit there and thank Ray for coming on the show. Gladly appreciate it. Thank you for your you know, knowledge, your wisdom, your insight. I gladly appreciate it. He made this one of the most unique and wonderful shows. And you know what, ladies and gentlemen? I want to thank you for listening in. Uh, I know I always have fun bringing in guests, and I know you enjoy them as well. So with that being said, Enjoy the rest of your day. Do what you got to do. You know, throw a smile on it, your face and everybody else's. And remember, when you kick your opponent's ass, make them say, that's Bushi. See you guys next time. <laughs>